0: So if you ask any coach what they enjoy the least about coaching, parents is going to be the number one answer they give. Uh, Sports parents, they're not just irritating at times. They create division within our team culture. They can negatively impact the buy-in from our players. And yes, even sometimes they can pose a threat to our job security. And if we really step back, and I think if we really reflect as coaches on the parents in our program we understand that this isn't every parent. In fact, the overwhelming majority of parents are actually pretty grateful and supportive. Uh, We have a responsibility, I really believe this, we have a responsibility to work with the parents of our players. They really play a critical role in our team's culture and our ability to positively influence our players' lives. And so today we brought Asia MAPE on the podcast to share some simple but really important advice a little bit about Asia. Asia played college basketball at the University of Michigan before becoming an Emmy award-winning journalist and sports television producer. And then she became a mother. And now uh, she is the founder of play.com which is helping sports parents to raise happy, healthy, and successful athletes, which heck, <laughs> that's what we're all about on the Coaching Culture Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. If you're new, my name is JP Nurbin and I'm joined by my co-host, Nate Sanderson. We work with coaches to create a team culture that develops happy, healthy, and successful athletes. So that makes this conversation exciting. Asia tries to help parents and we try to help coaches. And at the end of the day, parents and coaches all working together to achieve the same positive outcomes, That that's a game changer when you can bring this to life in your program. so. Let's get right into part one of our two-part conversation with Asia so we can start to improve our relationships with sports parents. So Asia, you have a very, very interesting background. You, know, you were a college athlete and then became a sports parent and now you're kind of running a sports parenting organization. And just curious a little bit about your kind of history, your timeline, and if you could give us all a little bit of a brief overview and how you got into this, you know, to founding, uh, I love to watch you play as, as an organization.
1: Well, you left out about 20 years of my life there, JP, <laughs> but I'll fill in that blank. Um, I, you know, I grew up playing sports. I had two older brothers, uh, love sports. In fact, sports has been a part of every single aspect of my life, pretty much. And, you know, after playing in high school and winning a state championship in Virginia, Playing in college. Then um, I graduated, I transferred, I stopped playing basketball, I got my degree in communications and went into sports journalism and sports television production and spent 20 years working for Fox and ESPN and TNT and traveling the world and Olympics. I have four Emmys from working the Olympics. And, you know, it was like an amazing career, an amazing, um, I mean, what a privilege, right? And an honor to be able to. Talk to watch, especially for such a sports fan, you know, um, basically be in the lives of all these professional athletes and college athletes and coaches. And, you know, after 20 years, I started having my own kids. Well, probably a little sooner than that. And, you know, it became difficult to travel and to spend so much time. A sports producer is is a full-time all-day 24-hour round-the-clock, seven-day-a-week job, pretty much. Um, so I started looking at doing other things and you know, I was ha- I had my own kids that were starting to play sports. And you know, a friend of mine from the sports world, Alex Flanagan, she reached out to me and wanted to start um something for sports parents. And at the time, you know, I thought I had it pretty much down. I was like, I was a college basketball player, I worked in sports. This is gonna be my jam. Like, oh my gosh, come on, kids, let's do this. And You know, as we started, I love to watch you play. I just realized um, very quickly just how um, poorly I was being, I was as a sports, how poor I was as a sports parent. I really was like, it was about winning. It was about how do I make and create these, the best athletes that I could, you know, I really had no perspective on it, especially I think working in sports for so long, it was like not helpful. It was the reverse. I had... No idea why we were doing it or what we were doing it for or how to do it. And so creating I Love to Watch You Play and um, working with experts like yourself and many others and learning and growing has been, um, you know, just an amazing growth process. And I love every minute of it. And I'm very passionate about it and helping other parents kind of go through the same journey and really, you know, be the best sports parent that they can be.
0: One of the things I love about, you know, I love to watch you play, you know, there's many great things about it. But one of the things is is kind of you're on the journey with everybody, you know, I feel like that's for me and and TOC, I'm on the journey with coaches, like I'm learning and growing through this process. Um, Some people might call me an expert, some people might call you an expert, but we both know that that is not true in many areas, you know, and so I love how vulnerable you are, as you go through this journey as a sports parent. There's one thing you said that I want to follow up on, though. And that was about your experience as a sports producer and as an athlete. You actually felt that it's a negative. Most people would say, "Oh, I've been in all this, so it should be a positive." Maybe that's what you thought, but you've now seen it as a negative uh, experience uh, when it comes to you as a sports parent. Or at least it took you down a kind of a path that you didn't want to go down. I was wondering if you could explain that a little bit more.
1: You know, I just I think it's because you're around these incredible athletes that dedicate their lives to it. And I was talking to the the top trainers and the top nutritionists and the top everything. And so in my mindset, it was like, you know, just how to be the best at it. It wasn't about growing, you know, I wasn't a, a, along the lines of educational experts. I was with what the end result is and I think that's where so many of us parents go wrong is like we're just looking at oh what they could be oh my kids we have my my the my daughter's husband also played college sports and oh wow we could create like a great athlete here and here's how you do that you know I was like it's just when I look back at it it's it's you know it's not anything I'm proud of but it is sort of where my mindset was. There was no guide or there was no teacher. I had no mentor. I just was going off my experiences, which up to that point were playing myself and being very successful at that. And then being around the same sort of mindset. And there's like this huge majority of kids and people that aren't gonna be professional athletes, which is what I was working with most. So it was really just sort of, I was coming at it from such an odd and interesting angle that I don't think most people do. Um, but I certainly did.
0: Well, I love what you just shared there, Asia, because I think, you know, I love to watch you play. Like I think there's so much content out there for coaches on how to be better coaches and to improve player performance, but you have content out there that's about, you know, for parents about how to be better parents for the athlete. and. You, it's not just about how to optimize performance. So, I know some of the things are about, you know, sleep and, you know, recovery and stuff like that, uh, but they're about a more holistic approach. And I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to kind of that mission the mission of how I Love to Watch You Play.
1: Well, the mission statement is to help parents raise happy, healthy, and successful athletes. And they all kind of go together, right? You can't really take one without the other. If you're not healthy, you're not going to be happy and you're not going to be successful. And also, I mean, successful can be at different levels. It's going to mean different things to different people. And so I do think those are the three keys to I love to watch you play. And like you said, it is a lot about, you know, mindset and what a parent can do better and growing and working with coaches. Um, But it also you know i think parents also want to know how to help the kids succeed as well so i mean there is definitely that aspect of it too and like i said i think they all three really kind of go together
2: so in many ways your work is as an advocate for the sports parent in that youth sports experience which i think is you know as jp mentioned is unique right because most of the time as coaches you know, whenever the, the subject of parents comes up, usually we think of the, the worst case scenario and the, the, the quote unquote crazy parents or the, the nightmare stories that we may have experienced in the past. But I'm curious from a parent perspective and from, you know, just your work, what are some of the things that coaches can do that parents appreciate the most?
1: You know, and I, and I, I will say a lot of our audience, they are coaches because A, a lot of parents are coaches, right? And B, If the coach can understand the parent better and the parent can understand the coach better and we can come to some sort of better understanding, um, I think the kid wins. And that is the bottom line. Even though our, our mission statement is to raise happy, healthy, it's all about the child. Right. I'm working through the parents to help the child. You guys are working through the coaches to help the child be the best they can be and to grow as a human and as an athlete. And you know, I think parents and coaches, they're on the same side, but they just don't know it. And it's, it's such a shame, but to answer your question, I would say, I think that the most important thing is communication and it's so cliche and we all hear it. And what does that really mean? The more we can communicate with each other, the better off we'll be. And, and I think one thing, I, I think coaches do appreciate a lot of our content is because I feel for a coach massively. It is one of the hardest jobs out there to be a great coach, right? I mean, the skill set needed—like, you can be maybe you know a good strategist, or you could maybe be really good with uh, motivation, or you. But to have all of these things, the whole package, to really like change and affect lives, and that's why I've loved the work you guys have been doing and. And all the work I've done with JP is because, I mean, you guys are going to, you can affect more people. And there's that great quote. I, I don't even remember who said it, but you know, a coach affects more people in one year than most do in a lifetime. And it's so true. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And I think a lot of times, you know, we're not understanding each other. There needs to be more to communication. As you've said, parents don't, coaches don't really want to deal with parents. Right. But I think parents are, are pushed so far on the outside of it that we're just left creating scenarios. And we're like, we're putting in all that time, all that energy. And that's our, you know, little child or our whatever. And we just sit there getting more and more upset and frustrated. If there was better communication between us, I think it would solve half at least of all the problems, if not more.
0: So when we're talking about that communication, I think that's huge because that's something I really work with my coaches on. I've actually, in the last week alone, have had coaches that I support send me emails before they send them out to parents so that I can review and give them feedback. And I think one of the traps I see coaches fall into is they a lot of times they just communicate the what, you know, what are we doing? You know, what time Mm -hmm. they need their kids to be there. And, And I really try to encourage coaches to communicate the why, you know, why are we doing this? And how are we doing yes. it and you know whether they're going to team camp and stuff like that because i think a lot of times decisions are made and parents just don't know
1: it's the why behind everything right mm-hmm. just explain it or even like it and i don't want to like you know pe- coaches are so busy and so this is part of the problem right where where we, we were just talking about i love to watch you play where i choose to spend my time it's a coach too right they're so worried about all these things but if they did put in that time and in that email, explain a little more, or even why we're going to mix up the starting lineup this week or whatever, like every little bit of information will take off their table, 10 complaints or 10 bickerings or 10, you know, disgruntled parents. Like, I'm sorry to, to have interrupted you, but that why you really hit on something that is so key.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, so I'm curious from your perspective as a parent, and then also from you probably get to hear a lot of chatter on on the Facebook and, and social media from other parents. What are some things that coaches have done when it comes to communication that you're like, I like that. That's, I wish my kids coach did that or I wish more coaches did that when it comes to communication.
1: You know, to say offhand, I can say one of my daughter's coach, he's been a coach for a long time. He's very well respected in the water polo community. He's been on Olympic as an assistant coach and, he will spend a good hour and a half at the opening meeting with a big PowerPoint. And it's not just passing out the sheet and like reading it really quick. He really goes into it and, um, talks about a lot of expectations, talks about some of the stuff you've, you've written for me about too, where, you know, he just breaks it down and, um, I think he's done a good job of that. I don't think he does enough follow up of that per se. Sorry, Jack, if you're listening to this, but um, he's one of my favorite coaches for a lot of reasons. But I do think he's one of the few that um, really, really do seem to value that time and go into it and don't view it as sort of like a nuisance or just something they need a signature on.
2: Elijah, I think you're right on when it comes to the obstacles that a lot of coaches face when it comes to building the relationships, you know, with the parent community and. Time is a factor. Resources are a factor. I think coaches are probably afraid of saying the wrong thing or using their words, you know, having their words used against them. I wonder, you know, when you think about all of the, the different things that you've seen and heard, what are some of the, the worst things, you know, that coaches should avoid doing these kinds of things that, that maybe are withdrawals from that relationship or are only going to pollute the water more when you're trying to build those relationships with parents?
1: It's interesting. I have a coach right now who is a great coach for one of my kids, but allows no communication with the parents. Um, and this is a new, a new coach in our world. So it's like a little TBD, but you know, part of me has been like, um, well, that's kind of great. She's not that old yet, but like, it's very, really very much making her own it right? But if there's any questions, no one's feeling like all the parents, it's causing parents to like, oh, what are you doing? You know, it's causing a lot of chitter. So again, that's just a communication thing. And that's her style. I know at our, one of our clubs, you know, kids can be come onto to a team and get brought onto the team and immediately start with no sort of like, um, Uh, process in the middle so you have kids that have been chugging away there on our team and and all of a sudden we're like wow you know there's just it seems like real basic stuff that like about being fair and building trust and having a system in place and not being haphazard about it um that would be sort of no-brainers right but I think that when coaches are putting and valuing the wrong things winning or maybe appeasing a person they really want on that team right it's whenever your sort of leader at the top be it the club leader or the coach has their um, priorities out of whack and it just filters down and there's really it's really difficult to get it back into place after it's gone awry for my daughter she had just a a a guy who destroyed her really like mentally because he was just playing mind games with everybody. And JP, I know you had a little bit about that. And, um, when you play too, or a lot and, you know, especially for certain age groups and, and I don't want to, um, generalize here, but for girls in particular who play for a person, a lot of times and play for you know, a relationship with their fret teammates and their coach, when someone is like withholding, giving out different, you know, it's just manipulative and, you know, her confidence just tanked and it, it, it never quite recovered the same from that bad year. And I kept thinking, you know, maybe we'll pull her off, but, you know, we stuck through it and, um, you know, it's brutal, like a bad coach. It, it's such a, it's such an important. Important position, right? I mean, you can change lives, and, and there's nothing more young lives, there's nothing more powerful than that, but you can also really wreck them. And so, you know, it's just, it, and, and when you get into it and you're a power hungry with the wrong, you know, whatever, and I don't see that that much. So I, I want to be clear about that. I think most coaches have the right attention, intention, just like most parents, even the really bad parents that you guys don't want to go anywhere near. Probably have good intentions but we just get lost and we start making choices based on a wrong value system and not and not doing what's best for the child and so i think a lot of times it's really like the club leaders a coach is going to come into a situation with whatever skill set he has right or she has don't just like okay well he's just good at that oh well help them. Like there needs to be the, the sports is a billion dollar industry. Now, a lot of these clubs are making a ton of money, put people in place where there's checks and balances and helping them. Not just like, you know, a lot of these kids too, are young college kids coaching, especially like in water polo and various things. They're just like, how are they supposed to know how to be a good coach? They're not, but instead of like letting the parents destroy them and the club just firing them after a little while, let's give them the proper training and the proper feedback and the proper checks and balances and help them become at least as good as they can be. Right. Not everyone's going to be, you know, John Wooden ish here, but like, at least they can be still be a really good coach. We need more coaches. We need a lot more female coaches too. So like Help has JP helped build them up instead of knocking them down and giving them the tools to do that is so, so key.
2: I want to come back to something that you said with the communication piece. And you we've talked about how the why is important and communicating that, whether it's in the preseason meeting or following up with emails during the season. What do you do as a coach, you know, when you lay out the roadmap and you say, here's how the process we're gonna go through for team assignments? Here's how we think about playing time. Here's the number of kids we typically rotate. Things are going to be earned based on X, Y, and Z. And I know for me, you know, that's kind of where I've evolved over time is like, I'm trying to build a roadmap that if a parent had the same information I had and followed the roadmap that we put in the manual and that we talked about at the beginning of the year, how could they not come to the same conclusion?
1: It's crazy, yet, right? They don't.
2: They often don't. They don't. Right. So, so then what, you know, th- then where do you, how do you handle situations like that when you've really tried to lay those things out and you've tried to communicate clearly and you just still have parents that for whatever reason they don't land on the same conclusions
1: i know i know and I, i have friends of mine that i have to talk off a ledge i'll be like you did read the like first email about playing time right you know they just don't see it once the season starts it's almost like Nate, I would say you have to keep reiterating it. And, and I have a volleyball coach that is very good about this every few weeks because there's always drama on this team. Like he's sending out an email and I think you know his partner in in what he does is his wife and they're a great team, but the, she probably helps with a lot of this stuff, right? So that's part of the issue is time, but they're composing these great emails sort of nudging us again and reminding us. So first off, you have to be aware, right? So if you're in a vacuum and you don't get around the parents and you don't ever want to have like a team pizza party after, and you don't hear the grumblings and you're just, I mean, I get why someone wants to do that, um, but you're not going to really get a feel for it. Uh, Or sometimes it's just a matter of having like, and, and I don't know that this is necessarily a good role to be, but, you know, having a parent that's like giving them some insight into the team. i because that can be a tricky, weird dynamic too. Um, but really, knowing what's going on with your team and knowing when people are unhappy and and being aware, like if you're always playing someone a lot and then you stop playing them, why would there not be a discussion about that? Why would there you not have told that kid? And sometimes you have told the kid, right? And they haven't told the parent. And so there's all that. But maybe just more emails, more communication. Remember, reference back. This is what our playing time is based on. And um, if anyone wants to talk about it, let's have a meeting. I'm more than happy, sort of. And believe me, when you get those emails as parents and you're one of the culprits, you know, you're like, oh yeah, it might give you a little check. And, you know, and sometimes too, having a meeting, I just don't think coaches want to meet with parents and parents don't call the meeting either because we're afraid to lose playing time. We're afraid to piss off the coach. We're afra- you know, the reasons for not um, directly communicating from a parent's side are plenty and make a lot of good sense. I don't communicate that directly with my coaches either. I kind of got, okay, well, you know, I don't want, you know, you don't want to a like upset them, piss them. You don't want your kid to be like a trouble kid, you know, but meanwhile, inside you're so worried about like, why isn't she playing or what could she do? You know, I mean, I do think it all still comes back to the communicating of it all.
0: And what you're talking about there is just some of the challenges of being a sports parent. Like there's a, it's, it's not an easy role. Parenting is not easy as I'm quickly learning uh, I've been <laughs> in this game, almost six years. Uh, I thought it was easier when I signed up for it, but here I am uh, trying to figure it out. But I think one of the things that I, I kind of, is, I'm hearing you talk here is realizing, I, I think for coaches, one of the cha- biggest challenges is when you talk about priorities, knowing that the team, is the priority for the coach. like I've gotta put the team first in how I make decisions. At the same time, there's this bit of paradox while still valu- valuing every individual. And I think mm-hmm. that's the challenge for a coach, whereas the parent is always gonna come at it from a different perspective, which is their priority is their, their child. They're the priority. But I think the challenge for parents, maybe, and, and maybe I'm wrong in this, is that we've they've got to also say, yeah, but the team's also still really important too. Like that, you know, like, and I think so often maybe parents just focus on their own individual and they forget about the fact that they're in a team sport and the coach has to make decisions for the team. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, um, decisions that are made in the best interest of the team, not will sometimes require a sacrifice of that individual. I don't know if you could speak to that as, as if you see, see, see that as a challenge or not.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably pretty spot on. I mean, you really are, you're looking at it, you know, totally focused on just your child. And I mean, there are teams, you know, that I can remember being on where, you know, you do start to, there's something about the team that's special or magical. And I think high school helps with that. Like, High school, you see more, you know, you can, you can get behind a community a little bit more. I think in club sports, it becomes the way the whole system is set up is very individualized. Your child is cut um, after a year or to two, years, whatever they're constantly, you know, there, there isn't that sort of valuing of the whole team. So it's almost looked at it much more so for in soccer anyways, like a means to an end. It's like, Uh, Whereas like on certain, when you're younger or in high school, you can really get behind that. And, but I, I, I think it is challenging and important though, to remember that there is, and a coach is making those decisions for a team or he should be. And I, but I do think that a lot of these parents would tell you and have a reason why whatever the coach is doing is still probably not best that there's. A, a different motivation, right? And um, but if you were to sit down and have a talk, uh, you know, a talk with that parent and explain it to them, but it's hard to do that. Every parent has, you know, who who has time for that? I, I don't know. Like I, it, it's not an easy solve, and it takes a very special person um, to lead a team in that way, right? To keep everyone happy and focused on what's important, and I think. Some of those check-ins that you've talked to me about, you know, and just writing down what is your goal, what are your goals, and continuing to talk to them about it and and really not not just say it at the opening meeting, but repeat it constantly throughout the season in emails, in person, and talking about team and not being afraid to have those hard conversations with parents.
2: I want to ask you about a- another buzzword out there that we hear all the time in youth sports. And that is the concept of entitlement. You know, you hear coaches throw the word around and they say, Oh, that kid's entitled, or the parents are entitled. And we sort of use it as a label that's dismissive, you know, as though now ah, we can't reach that kid, or that guy's never going to change. And I just wonder, you know, when you hear that word, what's your response to it?
1: Yeah, you know, entitlement is a tricky one. And, and I know that as coaches, you guys see it, in a lot of different ways and you know there is something too well I paid all this money why isn't my kid getting playing time or you know I'm a senior and why don't I you know and I guess it's sort of like you know are we being balanced and fair it's like what is the program starting at the top saying that they're doing right and and again if you're communicating that how that is going to work everyone should be aware of that but i would say if like if you're a new coach and every year the seniors got to start on senior night or and now you're not going to do that communicating that kind of stuff is key i think it it will help in all those sort of areas of what people think they're entitled to or not entitled, entitled to you know i know i i you know i was just sending my daughter to florida and i was thinking in my mind well, if she's not going to play that much. Like, why do you know, should I call it? Like, like you just do start that. Why are we spending all this money? You know, it's this over, we're, we're so over spending and over, um, you know, putting time into your sports that there is this ROI, this, you know, return of investment, which I think would translate as entitlement a little bit on your side of it. When you're a coach, what are we entitled to, you know, again, There are some stuff we are entitled to, you know what I mean? Are at least a communication about what's going to happen after, you know, you're showing up and everything, you know, but where, where it lands, like with you guys and how you handle that. I mean, I don't know. It's not, like I said, it's not really a big thing that I work on, on, I love to watch you play a lot, but maybe I should, you know, it's actually um, managing those expectations is a huge part of your jobs for sure. Um, and a little insight into that might be great for our parents.
0: Yeah, I think there's, it, it's just, once again, I think you're seeing the different perspective from a coach perspective or as a parent perspective, but I think you're sharing, which, you know, real concerns, real challenges, you know, we're spending all this money as a parent um, on this and there, it would just only be natural to have certain expectations on the other side of that. Some parents are better at managing uh, that kind of frustration than others. There are the crazy sports parents out there that I think give sports parents a bad name, right? They, they become these traumatic experiences in many ways for coaches so the, to the point where they don't want to have anything to do with parents because there's that one parent that just absolutely destroys them in an email. They go to the administration. They want to get them fired. They're constantly bad-mouthing them in the stands. You know, you probably see even some of those kind of crazy sports parents on, on, on I love to watch you play into some of the conversations. You have any advice for coaches on best practices or best way to maybe approach dealing with the crazy sports parent?
1: They are, they are out there, right? Um, I, I, I know I keep going back to the same thing, and, and I don't think the majority, though, want to get to that point or want to be crazy, but I will say those ones that are sort of crazy. You could probably keep them at sort of crazy as long as you're like communicating with them more. And um, and you know who they are, right? So, like you, you know, there's gonna be three on every team that are sort of crazy. And so, you know, giving them more information than less. That that is what I keep going back to on the communication side, but I think we really do get, you know, we get feel feel, okay, it matters so much to the kid and they're trying to do this and they're putting in all this time, we're putting all this money, all, you know, everything. And like now all of a sudden they're not getting any playing time. It's like, of course that would be very um, awful feeling, right? So like managing that a little bit better would be really helpful and to both sides. But I do, I do feel for coaches with how much time you're gonna spend managing everybody's playing time. You know, it's talking to every parent, you can't. But I think really selecting out those crazy few and maybe, you know, helping them along with the process and, and keeping it documented would probably be a good idea.
0: So we're gonna take a break there and we'll be back next week with the second part of our conversation with Asia. We're going to talk more about how parents and coaches need to start working together to support athletes, not pressure the athletes. Uh, This is vital as mental health is becoming a bigger and bigger issue uh, for young people today. In the meantime, I hope you accept Asia's challenge to all of us as coaches to be better communicators. Don't just communicate the what, focus on the why. And it's not enough to communicate something once. We got to communicate something time and time again throughout the season. Don't forget, if you want the notes to today's episode, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter at thriveonchallenge.com.